Hi, and welcome to our podcast called Asking Better Questions. My name is John Newsham. And I am Shane Chan. We're just uh, two friends uh, encouraging one another to seek God. So it's important to point out with our title that we're not suggesting we ask better questions than other people. We're just wanting to improve the questions we ask. So it's important to keep learning and growing, and that involves asking better questions. So if you're listening and you have questions, we'd love to hear them. We can't promise that we'll be able to answer them, but we will try to have a conversation about them. That's right. So how have you been since last week, Shane? I've been pretty well, actually. Um, this social distancing thing has um, had me going a little bit crazy because I can't see anyone, <laughs> except for my wife, which has been good. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, uh, it's good for most people to be seeing uh, their spouses more often. Uh, I, I think there's some people that are struggling with that. Domestic violence is on the rise, they say. And part of that is yes. to people spending more time within that confined environment driving each other crazy. Yes, that's exactly right. We, you know, here even in South Australia, we have been hearing that um, that has been a major problem and it's not really good. Yeah, so with my job, I'm an Uber driver at the moment and I've found myself driving around but not getting any work. Obviously, no one's traveling, everyone's following the rules and staying inside. And so I've uh, found myself having a lot of free time, but... In the same time, also, obviously, the, the bank balance doesn't uh, reflect that I'm having a good time. And so, uh, at the moment, I'm having to actually choose each day that I'm going to look at enjoying the more relaxed nature of the situation we're in, rather than looking at the bank balance, because we normally spend most of our life complaining, I'm too busy, I don't have time for that, uh, I'm rushed here and I'm rushed there, and at the moment, we've been forced to step back and almost take a Sabbath uh, from the scriptural perspective just to say, we're going to stop a whole lot of things. And everyone seems yes, to be complaining yes. now. Uh, I want to do things and I can't. And it's just the opposite side of the same complaint. So I'm just choosing, rather than complaining that I don't have anything to do, I'm going to enjoy the fact that I'm not the same sort of crazy busy that I normally am. That's exactly right. I'm, I'm enjoying the fact that I actually get more free time. And it's been really good, really relaxing. I get to catch up on all the TV shows I missed uh, when I got married. Yeah, it, it it has actually been quite a relaxing time. It's like you have ev- all these things planned that, you know, for the next six months you're going to be doing this event. Um, there's all this stuff on. Uh, we need to have birthday parties, weddings and all of that. But just everything all of a sudden just got cancelled and you were just like, oh, it's like all your plans have been like ruined or cancelled. Yeah, that's and right. And everything you have been working really hard for um, to see things happen. We've been organizing some events just to see something of God move and all of that all of a sudden has been put on hold. Yeah. And it has been actually a great time to seek God more because you have more time to spend. Yeah. Um, lots of people do say they don't have enough time to read the Bible or pray, uh, just the everyday thing that we should be doing. Um, it has given us more opportunity to do that now um, and and like you said it's more like a Sabbath sit back, relax, chill out um, and look forward to the future yeah, yeah that's right so why don't we jump on into it um, our first thing we like to do uh, is a segment called Random Scripture so this is where we flip the Bible to a random page and we read a few verses that catch our eye on that page uh, and then we're going to have a discussion about that verse and let the discussion take on a life of its own. 
Um, so we don't mm. recommend this necessarily as a way of doing your daily devotions. Uh, it's much better to have some sort of a reading plan to work through. Uh, but in this case, uh, it does have its place. So are you ready to go, Shane? You've got your Bible there? I've got my Bible here. Okay. So we're going to go uh, with Luke chapter 24 and uh, starting at verse 1. Now, uh, just flipping open right then and uh, seeing Luke 24, I think we're probably about three days, when we're recording this, we're about three days uh, ahead of ourselves because today is uh, Thursday just before Easter and we're going to be talking about the resurrection right now. Awesome. So uh, Luke chapter 24, starting at verse 1, says, On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. And I feel like uh, in my natural self, I want to keep reading uh, because uh, it, it, obviously this is part of a story that's happening. It's part of a, um, a, a scenario that's going to outplay and it feels like it's just getting to the important bit, but that's the nature of uh, the way we're playing this game or, or doing this segment, is that uh, we, we are just taking a small chunk uh, out, of, out of the middle of a bigger context. Yeah, so first of all, I would like to ask you a question, Pastor John. Yes. Why did the woman take spices they had prepared? Is there some kind of tradition they were into that they were taking spices into the tomb? Yeah, well, that's exactly right. So uh, even today, when uh, when someone passes away and uh, they get taken down to the morgue and, and they get treated a certain way, ready for burial, and there's a different process to go through. I haven't studied uh, in today's society what those processes are. Uh, there's, there's experts that take care of that. Uh, but the same thing was back then. They, they would uh, do certain things, anoint the body uh, with spices and and things like that and it was part of the preparing this person to be buried uh, the reason they're doing yeah. it uh, on this particular day is because through the Easter weekend uh, there's a combination of Sabbaths and extra Sabbaths uh, so depending on how the number of days works there and so what you actually see is this is their first opportunity to get back to the body uh, to anoint it with the normal ceremonial things his body was taken down off the cross uh, at sunset, uh, on yeah. at the start, you know they had to get it down before the Sabbath because uh, there was other rituals and and rules that were in place in the Jewish culture, and so they had to get it down before the Sabbath, and they they sort of quickly buried him, but they didn't have time to do any of the preparations. Mm. Just to um, make sure, so this woman they went out and they saw the tomb, like the stone has been rolled away and um, the tomb is empty. Now, in this case, right, we know it's Jesus and Jesus is going to promise to resurrect again. Yes. What if they did not know that Jesus was going to rise again? What would your reaction would be when if you went to a tomb and the stones were rolled away, it was your loved one and there was no body? What, what's the reaction you're going to have? Well, uh, I, I guess obviously in the context of today... Um, it would be like going to a graveyard and you go to the place where uh, your loved one has been buried and there's a tombstone, like we would have the, the tombstone with their name and the date and a little message on there. 
uh, and normally this close to the burial we would be expecting to see a big mound of dirt piled up on the grave and so it would be the equivalent these days of going there and finding all of that dirt has then been dug up and there's now an empty hole where the coffin should be so I, I guess yeah. that would probably be the similar thing and and I'd probably be um, pretty annoyed obviously you say they didn't know Jesus has been telling them I think you made both those points firstly that he had been telling them time and time again I'm going to raise from the dead but then they were blind to that and no one seemed to understand that three days later he was going to rise and so they've come yes. there uh, and they're actually wondering um, mm. and I, I don't think it's mentioned in this one but in, in other of the gospel accounts it's mentioned they're actually wondering how do we move the stone and so that would be the equivalent of me arriving at the graveyard wanting to dig this body up uh, to do the preparations that should have already happened and, and not taking a shovel and trying to work out how am I going to get the dirt off the grave. Um, yeah. And so that's that's a bizarre thing. You know, in their, their culture, the, the stone was heavy. It took quite a few people to roll it in. And so they're not going to be able to move it. And so they're then, they know that the soldiers have been put there. So they're going to be looking for soldiers that they can ask. Maybe the soldiers can roll it away. Uh, and the soldiers are gone. They fled. Um, they, they're then just wondering okay there's no army standing here so what are we going to do and then they find it open thinking maybe perhaps robbers have come stolen the body uh maybe what's happened and there would have been all sorts of questions and doubts and confusion uh i would think combination between fear and, and anger would be the most likely response that i would have experienced in that situation so pastor john you said you know uh, about having fear and anger and like you you go through all these emotions yeah and maybe that's what this woman were like you know there just wandering around you know just confused about what's what might be going on and then all of a sudden two men shows up and they're shining and and that moment would be like a moment of shock like okay what's going on here and they at that point they would have been afraid like okay they they might have been um in their ritual might have been coming every day and on the third day they came expecting the same thing and nothing was there every, like it, it's a very confusing situation that they're in yeah um i i just remember just to touch back onto that um spices thing um about how different cultures actually might do burials differently I, I from a Indian background I've seen Indian funerals they do use spices and things like that um, yeah. in their rituals um, so I don't know going back into their culture what was the point of all of those that's something you can you know further study into it yeah I believe so yeah it's it's a very it, this is the moment that changed history forever you know yeah this is the the most the important moment and the important thing you know we believe as a Christians is that our dad is not a God dead. He is actually alive and living. Yes. And, and you know, that's what the basis of the scriptures are. So, you know, we, we are going to have Easter, you know, this weekend. And, and that's what we celebrate that our God is not dead. This is like the life changing, important thing in the history till today that people believe that, you know, our God resurrected from the tomb. Yeah, and I mean, it's the cornerstone 
of our faith. It's, it's the the main, uh, the, the crux of it all. Like, if he's just another person who taught us some great things, did some amazing things and died, then he's not set apart in any way. And uh, if he actually did predict that he would come back from the dead, and then he actually did come back from the dead on the day that he predicted it, then that means something completely different. And I think uh, that's part of the, the confusion here. These We mentioned before that not only did Jesus predict it, these people would have heard, these ladies would have heard him predict it. And so if someone's able to tell you, I'm going to die on a particular day, and three days later, I'm going to come back to life, it's an absurd claim. You'd think it would stick in your memory. But mm. anything that I tell you, I'm going to do, so, or something is going to happen to us, it's outside of our control seemingly, and it's going to happen to me on a particular day. And within three days of that, this next thing is going to happen. The logical mind says when we see the first thing happen, we'll be counting the days so that we know when the second thing will happen. But they, mm. couldn't, they couldn't understand what he was talking about. They couldn't see it. And so we see only uh, a couple of days earlier, uh, this lady comes and pours an incredibly expensive perfume on Jesus. And, and everyone rebukes her and says, what are you doing? That's a waste that should be sold and given to the poor. All of those sorts of statements. And that's actually the anointing that he got for his death, that these ladies came to do physically what that other person had done spiritually in the sense that they'd, his body had already been anointed for burial. Uh, because of that gift, that very generous gift a couple of days earlier. And so here, the fact that these ladies missed out on doing it is not a problem, apart from the fact that the body's not actually going to decay, uh, but also because that process has already happened. Um, but then you also, uh, you, you mentioned in, in what you were saying there, that it would have been very confusing, and later on in the story, these same ladies are going to go back and be the first preachers on behalf of Jesus to tell the story of his resurrection. They're going to go back to the 12 disciples and say, we went to the tomb, he wasn't there, we got told that he's risen from the dead. And everyone's going to react to them by saying, you're crazy, what you're saying doesn't make sense, we have no clue what you're talking about. And so not only are they going to go through those feelings themselves, but they're going to have to then face other people going through those feelings at them mm. as a result of this. Yes, because you know they are the witnesses of this huge thing that has happened and yeah. it's gonna be like you know people are gonna start questioning them about different things are you sure are you just not daydreaming because you know we hear about people you know if their loved one has passed away you know they feel like you know they see them every now and then you know because they're constantly on their mind so it, it could be a thing where they people are asking them are you guys sure like you must be dreaming or you know have you lost your mind no, this you're just going through grief at the moment and yeah. you, you can't see the reality uh, and then people might have gone and seen the tomb themselves and they will say okay hold on this doesn't add up what they're saying could be true but who has stolen the body because there, there would be people out there that do not believe he is actually alive they would just think that someone stole the body of jesus yeah. yep and that would also be a huge question that people would be asking at that time. Okay, everyone in this situation is now really confused until Jesus shows up to people and reveals himself to them. Yeah. That he's actually alive and well. Yeah, that's right. And even uh, even those, you know, when he visits his disciples and one of the disciples, Thomas, isn't there, when they then tell Thomas not only 
is this story happened not only did we go and check the tomb and all that was empty but Jesus actually came risen from the dead and encountered us Thomas said I don't believe you and I refuse to believe you feels like maybe it's April Fool's uh, or something like these guys are trying to play a trick on me I refuse to believe this is true unless I actually put my hand inside his wounds and so that's, th- exactly that's, right. that's the common feeling that the story is unbelievable that's right and in today's world we actually don't see that many people rise back up from the dead so if yeah. you know I would come to you and tell you hey so and so has you know risen from the dead you know, there, there's always going to be that doubt and that unbelief, even though, yes, we believe in the power of resurrection. Christ can raise anyone. You know, the Holy Spirit can raise anyone from the dead. That's amazing. But we still might have, are you sure? Can I see that person? I, I need to see their medical report. Um, you know, there could be all these questions, you know, in today's society even going on about, okay, there's something a bit iffy about the situation. Yeah. Something doesn't add up. And we even hear about people who have had experiences, near-death experiences, where they have said they have died and then have come back to life. We uh, have heard some of those stories and still there's people out there saying, no, it can't be true. There's something that doesn't add up. And so we need to be mindful that there's going to be people out there that are going to question everything. And as human beings, that's how we're designed to question things in life. And... We, we keep on questioning things, you know, if something doesn't line up with our belief system, if something for us we haven't experienced, we would say, no, that's not true. That can't be real. It can't be. Um, it can't be. Like, especially I come from a third world country. And so when I came into Australia, there were so many things that are, that were normal to people here. And I was just like, whoa, no, that can't be real. That's awesome, you know. Things with technology, you know. Yeah. Uh, machinery like big tractors i was on a farm big tractors that's not possible to make a tractor that big so <laughs> yeah for 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 someone who does, has an experience that haven't seen that uh kinds of things it, it just becomes a question of okay i need to see it for myself to believe in the situation right here yeah and, and that's my experience and I, I believe that's you know that's how people are they somehow need to um they just don't take people's word for it. Sometimes they need to know for themselves and to be sure. That's what Thomas was doing. He he needed to put his hands in on, on Jesus's um, hands and, and feel that hole where he was nailed. He was nailed, and that's the thing that we do as well as human beings till today. Yeah, and that's you know even in that story there, when Jesus did reveal himself individually to Thomas, I mean, there's no record that Thomas actually did put his hands. Uh, in Jesus' wounds, Jesus just suddenly appeared there and said, here, put your hand in here. Um, and Thomas fell to the ground and worshipped him and said, you know, my God, uh, it's you, you know. Uh, and in in that moment, Jesus says, you know, firstly, I will reveal myself to you. I'm not going to hide because you doubted. I'm not going to hide because you didn't believe your friends. I will re- reveal myself to you. But also, he makes the point that if we come to a place where we can choose to believe without having that great witness shown to us, if we will believe and trust, then there's actually a greater blessing in that. And so uh, not just to say, well, we'll just blindly believe anything. Uh, you know, like it is, if this is from God, 
then we will choose to run with it. I've seen enough mm. of God and, and the reality of God and who He is that there's certain things in my life that I shouldn't need to see anymore. I should believe by now. And Thomas had walked with Jesus for three and a half years. Jesus had been predicting his death and his resurrection. So there's that degree to which you should say Thomas should believe. But we're not going to pick mm. on him too much because not, you know the other disciples didn't believe when the ladies came back to tell him, to tell them. And so we can't really judge Thomas for not believing when the when the guys came and told him. And so the, we all need that moment where we see something of God. And then from then on, it's that choice to say, well, I'm actually going to lean into it. I'm actually going to press into it. I'm going to err on the side of believing God rather than erring on the side of not believing him. And, and if he needs to show me that I'm wrong, then he, I'm open to him doing that. But I'm going, to, I'm going to lean in and choose that the general disposition of my life is to trust God. Awesome. That is exactly right. I don't know where else we can, you know, go into with that scripture. But I just thought it, it was this great, you know, scripture. What do you think? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I love being reminded of the resurrection power of God. You know, in this yeah. scripture, obviously, we're hearing about Jesus is the one that's resurrected in this passage. But he came and he conquered death so that we might have life. And so there's that degree, you know, and... You know, I'm not. I'm not necessarily interpreting those words correctly with what I'm about to say, but throughout Scripture, you see that that power that raised him from the dead, God wants to work that power in our life, and so, so there's things that we experience in our world as believers in God that should blow our mind, that should leave us saying, "How did that happen? I don't know how that happened, but God." We should see yeah. evidence that God changing things. It doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to be the richest, the strongest, the healthiest people that we know because there's also the other side. There's the suffering that we see and the, there's just difficult circumstances that happen to everyone. But we, there should be a, a greater hope because we've seen and experienced God's provision in the past or we've seen and experienced miracles in the past. We've had God speak into our lives so we're prepared for something that's coming up. And so there's that power that... God wants to be at work in our lives. He wants to do things in our life, in our world, in, through us even, uh, mm. and, and see his power impact those around us. So yeah, awesome. I need to be reminded of that regularly. Yes, same here. That's, that's the beauty of you know why we believe in the God we believe. And that same power, you know, that's that God, he promised before he went, now that he lives in us, and we can go out and do even greater things. Yeah. And that's that's a daily reminder like sometimes you might face challenges or things like that and you you might actually forget that there's actually something living on the inside of you that's greater than the things that are coming against you yeah and we all need to be reminded of that yeah it's good so we're going to go on to our next section now uh where we're going to have a look at a big question and so the, the hope is, the goal is that we're going to get questions sent in by our viewers um, and these first couple of episodes will be pre-recorded in that sense so uh, there's an opportunity in the first couple of episodes uh, for the viewers to, uh, to get their input into it but we would love to hear uh, your questions wherever you're listening from uh, and so send them in to us and, uh, and we'll have a look at them as well but for the first uh, couple of episodes we're going to sort of choose our own questions in that sense. So we're just going to have a look at a few things that we think are important big questions. And for me, 
one of the big questions uh, that comes up in many different contexts is how do I read the Bible? Great question. How do you read the Bible? It's a big question. It's a very big question. Uh, I don't think we can get it answered all of that in this one um, episode. But no. we'll, we'll give it our best try. Yeah, well, so I think uh, that that point is very fair. I think we need to break this one down because uh, you can you can look at any question from a few different angles. And I think we're going to have to break this one down and sort of bite off one little, uh, little bit of it and uh, sort of focus in on that. Um, so, if, for example... How do I read the Bible assumes that reading the Bible is an important thing to do. And so at some stage, we're going to have to talk about why is this, why is reading scripture even important? And I don't think we'd have time to include that in what we're talking about uh, today. Um, the other ways we might look at that is how do I read the Bible in the context of if I'm reading the Bible and I'm interpreting it a certain way, how do I know whether I'm interpreting it the correct way? How do I know? that what I'm reading in the scripture is actually what's written in the scripture and not something like you mentioned before that uh, if it doesn't line up with what I already think, I might throw it out. But the scripture is going to challenge what I think. And so there's that, uh, how do I know that what I'm reading is what the scripture actually says? Mm. Um, so I think that's another one that we might we might push that one aside as well and say mm. that's, a, that's a really big question in itself. Yeah, so how do I read the Bible? Like... Personally, for me, um, starting up, growing up, I had like kids' Bible, like kids' stories that I used to read. And now that I'm older, I have Bible on my phone or like a physical Bible yep. book or on my iPad, like you have all this technology. I even have an audio Bible on my phone that I could listen to if I am driving and I, and I can't get access and I really need to look up a scripture. I just play my Bible on my phone. And yeah. so I believe right now in this world, we have so many different ways that you have access to Bible. So yeah. let's, let's start off with that. We, everyone, no matter where you are, if you have a phone, you have some kind of technology, you have access to the Bible. If you're somewhere, you know, that you don't have access to technology, then I'm sure um, somewhere in the bookstores, you'll find one. Uh, yeah. In your library, you might find one. And... In, in your hotel rooms, you might find one. Um, don't try to sneak that out of the hotel room, but um, <laughs> you might um, not be in good terms. Um, but we have all these ways that we can access the Bible. And for me, I, at the moment, I have read the Bible in different, many different ways. For example, one of the segments that we do to start off with is just flip the Bible open to one passage of scripture and read it. That's one of the ways you can read the Bible. It's not a recommended way of reading the Bible, but yeah. it's amazing how God can speak through that. Or get a translation that is simpler for you to read. And I found myself, you know, reading the NIV or New Living Translation and the Amplified Version. And I find them to be easier to read than something else. And because growing up, I struggled with English a bit, it's easier for me to get into this translation and understand what the scripture is sh showing me. And there's the um, other aspect of it that I actually really enjoy reading the yeah. Bible. Yeah, and so, you know, within that, um, there's, there's lots of different translations out there. And 
I I don't want to get caught into the trap of saying which one's the best or which one's not the best, but but they're not all created equal. There are uh, some translations that are very good and some that uh, are not so great. But within that, without arguing over which is the best English translation, obviously within what you're saying, not all of us have access to a Hebrew Bible that we can understand or a Greek Bible that we can understand in the original language. That's right. And so we have to either get a very high level of skills in languages that are now effectively dead other than for Bible scholars. We either have mm. to study that way or we have to get a translation that's in our language that we understand. Yeah. And so, you know, for, for hundreds of years, um, the tra- Bibles have been translated into varying forms of English. Um, and so... Over that period of time, there's lots of different translations. I mean, there's hundreds of translations that have come out. And finding one that you understand, that that the words on the page actually make sense to you, is actually really important. You mentioned that, that before, is right. Sorry, you mentioned before that, um, that you didn't speak English well growing up. Um, you, I know you speak Hindi as well. Uh, do you find reading in Hindi works for you? No, so I was horrible at both language subjects. So, <laughs> so I shouldn't laugh. <laughs> I've, I've, <laughs> I have even, um, you know, learned a bit of Fijian because I come from Fiji. So there was, uh, we had actually a few different versions of the Bible in Fiji. We had the English, obviously, uh, the Fijian, and then the Fijian actually had different dialects. So they, for a different dialect, they would have a different Bible. Yeah. Same with Hindi. You what the Hindi we spoke in Fiji is different to the Hindi they would speak in India. And so the version of the Hindi Bible even we had was different again. And yeah. so I, I have actually grown up looking into all those Bibles. Fijian one was a bit difficult to understand because I don't know the language really properly. But I, I have read uh, the Hindi, the Fiji Hindi Bible, they call it there, and the Hindi Bible. And it's amazing the way it's translated because I have learned for myself to read in English, especially with the Bible, so it actually makes more sense to me reading it in English yeah. than it does to me reading it in Hindi. So, but there's people out there like that I know of that they can't read English, so they don't have an option but to read um, an Indian Bible or a Fijian Bible, and they'll be able to tell me things that I didn't know about the Bible just by simply reading their version and. And it, yeah. it makes sense to them in that way. Yeah. So I've, I've been listening to someone else who has sort of studied Hebrew and, you know, those sort of biblical languages. And, and when, you, when you listen to them talk about the way that the Bible was written in the original language, there's a lot of stuff that we miss simply because it's in English. Um, mm. You know, the, the structure and the layout of the first couple of chapters of Genesis. It's amazing when you listen to the patterns and the formulations that were put in and, and things where uh, the word is translated a certain way into English and then in different contexts you get different words from that same root word. And so you actually miss a lot of the nuance and a lot of the subtlety that's written into the Hebrew Scriptures simply because we're reading it in a different language. And whenever you translate something, there's there's part of it that you miss. And so, you know, just from a practical point of view, you know, like I mentioned, not all of us are going to go and, and study ancient Hebrew to understand Genesis better, but you know you can go to different books and uh, you know concordances that that explain what these words mean. You know, 
Google is brilliant uh, or any of the online Bibles where you can actually go in and you can see word definitions from the original language that uh, that scholars have translated for us. And so, you know, to put that in a practical sort of coverall, it's, it's learning language better. So you mentioned that you found it difficult to read in English, even though that was the easiest one for you to read. Uh, and so it would be easy just from a practical point of view to say, well, if you want to read the Bible better, then learn English better. Like, I mean, that's, that sounds like a judgmental statement in the way I'm saying. I'm not meaning it to be that way, but that's one of the practical steps. And I, I know I knew someone who they basically were almost illiterate and they taught themselves how to read by reading the Bible in their 60s. Yeah. And they, they got a lot out of the scripture. And, you know, most of us, I've, I've grown up with access to Bible. I have multiple Bibles, even on my table right now. I've got two Bibles in front of me. I've got uh, Bibles on my computer and I have a bookshelf behind me with more Bibles in it. I have access to all the scripture and I understand the English language, but there's still, there's something more to it than just being able to understand the language. That's right. I just think um, a lot of different things that goes into the Bible, like, you know, I expect to read a Bible to get something from God. You know, I just don't read it just for the fun of it. Yeah. I Because reading the Bible, I've always found that God is actually speaking to me through whatever passage of scripture that I'm reading. Yeah. And and that is actually a really exciting thing. You know, there's practical ways, but there's also a spiritual part to it. And, you know, for me, when I go into reading the Bible, I do my practical way of reading it. But then I find myself, you know, God directly speaking into my situation and where I'm at or something new that I needed to learn that I've never seen before in the scripture, even though I've probably read the same scripture a hundred times and had it preached a thousand times. And that, that I find is a beauty about reading the word of God, reading the Bible. And it just, you know, opens your eyes to the new possibilities of what God might be speaking to other people about since he can, you know, keep giving us a different revelation every time we speak, sorry, every time we read. Yeah, and, and that's right. So the the fact that you as a person that you've described yourself as struggling with, with the language, um, the fact that you're able to read this scripture and find revelation and find God showing you things out of it, that means that there's actually the opportunity for anyone to actually find something out of the scripture. It's not, it's not that your skill in reading it better is what unlocks the scripture for you. Mm. So how about we delve into that one a little bit? Because, you know, we've, we've sort of listed some practical steps. Uh, I guess you could say, you know, uh, things like learning the language, um, you know, even asking other people for help, getting a translation, you understand. But I think it's important to understand that my lack of ability to understand the scripture is not primarily a practical problem. It's a spiritual problem. And that's right, you know. Uh, I think we, um, as people, need to be willing, first of all. Um, like you mentioned about your friend, um, he didn't know how to read. Yeah. And he learned how to read because there was a willingness inside of him that said, I want to read the Word of God. Yeah. And so he had to go on this journey because he was so desperate of something of God. He knew this is the Word of God. I need to be really reading this. So he learned, basically, he schooled himself in a way and, and learned things he had never learned in his life, which was to read. Um, 
just so he can get something of God. So I think in that context, the Bible um, doesn't actually talk a whole lot about studying Scripture. It, like it's in there, like it is important that we study it, but it actually talks a lot more about meditation. And so mm. like it's important to, to delve into the Scripture and, and work out what did it mean for them uh, what what was it pointing towards? What's all the context of this? All of those questions, at some stage, we're going to have to touch on those. Uh, not, not on this podcast, but they are important because we want to know that what we're reading is what was written. How we're mm. reading it is what was intended. But the Bible talks about meditation because it has this feeling of actually just not rushing through. And when we study, it's like we're trying to get to a point, we're trying to get to an answer, we're trying to get to something. And I think that God actually wants us to spend more time just sitting in the scripture and not necessarily uh, like the Instagram photos where someone's got a nice setup with their Bible and their coffee. Uh, although that's a great way to do it. If you forget about the fact that you're only doing it to put it on a picture, if you're actually doing that to meet with God, then that's a great way to do it to just sit down and enjoy a cup of coffee while you ponder on the scripture. But even even if I go through just a normal reading plan and today I had to read three chapters and I got to the end of those three chapters, what do I do with that is actually to let those scriptures soak into my spirit, to actually just sit in them. And so then later on in the day when I'm driving my car or where I'm going shopping, I'm, those scriptures are going to be still spinning around in my mind and actually reminding myself to ask the question, what, am I, what else is there? How does this fit in my life? And just letting it like percolate or or settle around me and let those scriptures sort of soak into me a bit more rather than just being some words that I read. And and that's it. Like I believe for my life as well, like I need to get something out of the scriptures like I've mentioned before. Yeah. And we we need that meditation time, you know, to meditate on it day and night. Like there could be some verses that God really wants to change something in you, you know, or put something in you for the future. Yeah. And there might be things coming your way that you don't see right now that, you know, when you need it, you know, I, for example, you know, I was talking to a friend and there's a scripture that I read earlier and I was just talking to this friend and it just all of a sudden, because I meditated on the scripture, I remembered it. So this person needed this scripture because what they were going through, it fitted really well. And so I was just able to dig that out um, yeah. of almost like my spirit and be able to share the scripture with them. And it wasn't just helpful for me. It was helpful for someone else. Yeah. So w when you open the word of God and there's a scripture that we're reading, there, there has to be a point to it. You know, every scripture is from God and it all has a purpose. It, it all has, you know, a, a uniqueness to it and it's powerful. So... And it is life-changing. So we need to make sure we have that in the back of my mind. This is actually God's word. This could be a life-changing experience for me as soon as I read it, as soon as I meditate on it. Um, and so that's what we need to have in the back of our mind that, wow, this is actually amazing. It might not make sense to me. That's why I meditate on it so that God starts to un unveil, almost reveal the things that he wants for you to grab out of it. Yeah, God, let it happen. Um, I just want to pick up a couple of words. I love the way you worded a particular phrase in there, and I, I doubt you did it deliberately, but you said uh, when you were talking about that scripture that it was also helpful. I don't know how you worded it. It was something like that. It was also helpful for them. That 
implies that your primary goal when you're reading the scripture is to get something that changes you. And yeah. I think that's an important aspect of reading scripture is that we're not reading it to see what my next door neighbor needs to change. You know, like it's easy to say, well, I'm having an argument with someone. What can I find in the scripture to win that argument? And, and right. I, I find if I ever approach the scripture that way, I normally find something that makes me lose the argument, even if I was right. Because God wants That's to change right. us first and foremost. He wants to speak into my life. And from that place of me having revelation and changing and actually taking what God showed me in the scripture and applying it to my own life with some sort of action or some sort of application, then he'll take me and he'll go and use me to help someone else. And if I just and, sit there and say, I want to change that person, I want to change that person, what don't they understand about God? Then I actually don't grow or change or, or, or become more useful to God. That's right. And I believe like, you know, the best way people actually can see God is that you leave it out. So when someone asks you, why are you this way? Why do you do things this way? Um, why do you live your life this way? And you can just point people straight to God. Like, yeah. I've read this in the scriptures and the scripture says this, this is why... I'm living in a way that I am. And they see you happy. They see you filled with joy. They see that you have peace. And those are things that they desire. The world desires those kind of things. And when they don't have it and they see someone else have it, they want to know what's the formula behind it. Yeah. And that's the best way to reach out. It's, it's knowing that, hey, it's about me. When I read this, I need to change first. Yeah. I need to have a, my own personal life transformed before I can go out and transform someone else's life and we see that time and time again like oh even all the great revival you see happen in this world it's because someone went deep down into the word of God prayed and, and you know got something got a revelation of God for themselves and they hold it on to it and went and did amazing things so it starts with you it starts uh, within you and we need to see that happen more and more is people just getting into the world and getting the amazing thing that God has for you and changes you. So when you walk down the street, people are going to see you and be like, man, there's something different about his walk or her yeah. walk. And they, they're going to want to know more. Like what has changed in them? Why is that person all of a sudden different? And that's a great opportunity for you to do, then go and reveal it's Jesus. So what you're saying, it sounds wonderful it sounds glamorous it sounds exciting i think it should come with a warning label because what you're saying is i want to come to the scriptures saying to god even if you want to challenge the very core beliefs in my life the very core things about who i am i'm open to that mm. and that's actually a very scary place to end up that's right so i know for me there was quite a period of time where i would have said that the primary way that God spoke to me was as I was reading the scripture, I would read something and think to myself, that doesn't sound right. Now that's in the context of I grew up in church, I grew up in a pastor's house, I grew up being taught to do my devotions, to read every day. And I'm not saying that I did read every day, but I was taught to read every day. And, uh, you know, so there was that context of, I had scripture around me, I was being taught scripture at church, I was being taught scripture at home. I was being taught and then one day I'm reading the Bible and something in the Bible didn't line up with my beliefs. Mm. And at that point, you know, you have to step back from it and say, it's probably not me that's right if I'm disagreeing with Scripture. 
And you know, yeah. that's a fairly humbling statement. I know that there's lots of people in the world would say that's a very immature or, or, or whatever, that that's a, a primitive way to read. But I've seen the Bible change my life. I've seen the Bible change the lives around, of people around me. So I have no problem being able to actually say, I believe this is the Word of God. I believe God mm. spoke it. I believe that God revealed this and through someone else who wrote it down, God can speak to me. And so I've, I'm open about that. I'm, I'm fine with that. But then that means that if something disagrees between me and the scripture, in my heart, I'm saying, I'm probably wrong. And so what yeah. is it that I'm missing? What is it that I've misunderstood for the past 5, 10, 40 years of my life where I'm reading this and it's different to what I'm seeing now in the scripture? And so that point there, to actually step back and, and say, this is what I've been taught in church, this is what I've been taught, and this is what I've experienced in life, but now this is challenging that, this is slightly different to that, what am I missing? And normally it's not a massive thing that I was missing, it was a subtle change, and it might be the motives of God that I've misinterpreted. And so when I see this scripture, it doesn't line up with how I expected God to act how I expected God to do things, what I expected God to say. And so I see something in the scripture that, that it was just different. And then you've got to go through a process of undoing what you've learned and applying what God is showing you and going down a different path. That's right. I just, you, you know, you brought up about your life, you know, growing up, you had to do all this devotion. And I think there we are, we are, we are very lucky. We grew up in pastor's houses. So we had those things already in place. And so, this might actually be difficult for a new believer. If you're a new believer and you have to get into reading the Word of God, there's things that are going to challenge you like never before because they might have lived in a different world than to what we have. And the challenges would be difficult because they haven't had the same discipline that we might have had growing up where we had to read our Bibles, do our devotions, go to church every Sunday. We had to do all of that and so we we were in a, in a pretty good position. So when we did read the Bible, it wasn't, like you said, very big things. But there could be people out there who do read their Bible and it's massive for them because this challenges to very big things they have grown up believing in their life. And uh, and their morals morals are very different to ours. So it, it's I can see how for some people this could be a major challenge in life when they read the word of God and it's massive and it, it could be you know big things in their life that they have been doing for so long that they have to completely turn their life around and it's not an easy thing and that's something big like that you know for uh, for me I believe some of the things that I face that I cry over are actually small to some people some other people's problems because they have to in a big way change their life around in a big way they have to change their habits, change their, um, no, sorry, get over their addictions. And, and it's a constant battle for them when they, all of a sudden I have people who are unsafe. They read something from the word of God and almost every time they read it, there's things that doesn't line up with their belief system. It's like, wow, I've been doing everything opposite to what the Bible has been saying. And it's a huge thing. So every time they're opening their Bible, they're confronted about things in their life. And I believe that's, a beauty of, of God's word is that he's actually challenging each and every one of us every day of our lives that we need to be continually becoming more like Jesus. Yeah. And and that's that's the whole point of, you know, 
why we need to read the Bible, but you know, and how, you know, that's the question we're asking, how? And there's many different ways we can do it. Yeah, and so, you know, within that, I mean, the, the challenges that God's put before me as I've read scripture have been incredibly difficult um, in my context, from my perspective. And it's, it's like he goes, at times, he just shows you little things here to change, little things there. And then at times he comes right down to the core things that are on the inside of your heart and, uh, and challenges them. And I, I do think that uh, there is a great deal of difficulty when God confronts the inner workings of our heart and says that needs to change. And I think from that perspective, we're on an equal playing field. But there are things that are um, that it's easy to fall into the trap of the just the the doing the right things and lining up with that. And they're important. You know, we change our behaviour because we change our understanding of who God is around us. And as that mm. changes, it it should flow out through us. I think the the challenge is when we look at ourselves. And compare ourselves to what a Christian should be I think that's where we get into problems and so for someone who has not grown up in church has not grown up with scripture has not grown up uh, with any of that and they come to a point in their life where they choose to make Jesus their Lord then the automatic thing as a pastor is you tell them okay now you need to read your Bible and pray and that's right very rarely that advice gets listened to in, in a significant way um, you know that's a generalization but it is it is actually rather rare that someone starts reading and praying regularly at that point but for those that do as you point out they're going to find things in scripture that don't line up in any way with their life and their worldview and and so then they start it's very easy at that point to look at what a Christian should look like compared to me and mm. and so I think if we start from the point, which we go back to the scripture, the random scripture that we had earlier in Luke 24, the resurrection power of God. At the point of salvation, I don't become a better person. I don't change and fix my behavior, and that's what makes me a Christian. What happens to make me a Christian is that I was dead, and the resurrection power of God comes into my life and brings me to life. And so... So yes, there is a, a standard that we're given a, an instruction manual and we look at the Bible and it's like a mirror and we see what needs to change in our life. But it's important while we're looking at what we need to change that we're not comparing ourselves to the person next to us. We're comparing ourselves to two things. Number one, as you mentioned before, am I becoming more like Jesus? Am I like Jesus? And in what ways am I not like Jesus? God help me to change in those areas. And number two... What was I like before God showed me? I was dead. Have I improved from there? Yes, I'm alive now. Yes, I've seen this addiction break in my life. I've changed my attitudes towards that. I've seen growth. I've seen change. And if we are actually growing, if we are maturing, if we are changing into the image of Christ, then we have to choose to step back and say, I'm not going to judge myself by the person next to me. I'm going to judge myself by the person of Jesus going forward and of who I was yesterday or the day before or last year and I'm going to compare am I growing and if we do that I think we see a significant change in our own spiritual identity that that we're not measuring as a fail against the person next to us because they 
didn't do this or didn't do that when they were growing up. We measure ourselves as a success first and foremost because I now have life and I didn't before. But secondly, also, I see the goal that's set before me that I won't attain this side of death. I won't ever be as perfect as Jesus on this side of eternity. But that's the goal, that's the path that I'm on. And the journey towards that is actually success. Not arriving at that place because right now I am seen as like Jesus in God's eyes because I received Jesus as, and his atoning sacrifice. So God already sees me as righteous, but then he has a path of sanctification to take me towards that righteousness so that for the rest of my life, there's always going to be things where he says, okay, we're going to change that. We're going to tweak that. We're going to grow you in that area. We're going to completely undo all of that and start again in that area. Even though it looked good, we're going to get something better out of it. And so that, that journey of change and growth is going to be continual for the rest of my Christian walk as long as I'm willing to walk by his side. That's awesome. So I think if I want to just step back a bit and say this, so whether someone like myself who has a reasonable grasp of English and a reasonable capacity to read and understand, yourself who self-confessed said uh, that you didn't speak English well and as a result you weren't able to read it all that well and so you struggled with that perspective and then you go right down to well, the person who yes, um, might, might be completely illiterate. Let me illiterate. just clarify that. Um, um, yes, I wasn't really able to speak well so when I was, I could actually read it quite well. Okay. Um, but there was just words that didn't make sense to me um, but the and when I would have to speak it out I couldn't but I could uh, sort of understand what was going on so reading bit wasn't so hard actually okay um, if I have to say to someone else was a bit bit more difficult yes okay so so in that context you've, you've got all the way from uh, from you know sort of our reading level right down to someone who might be completely illiterate, illiterate either because they speak a completely different language or because they've just never been taught to read, uh, right yeah. up to uh, the other end of the scale, way past us, uh, you've got the scholars, the doctors, the, the people who have uh, not only learned English at a really high level or whichever language it is that they're reading it in, but, but also they've learned the process of study so that they can really dig into any text and, and understand what it means. And right through that whole range is actually the same problem. And that problem, it's a spiritual problem. The spiritual problem is that unless God opens our eyes, we actually can't see the truth of Scripture. No matter how well we study it, no matter how well we look into it, no matter what techniques or skills or practical steps we take, unless we actually have God open our eyes, we're blind and that's right yeah yeah I, I believe like I've seen people who have read their Bible you know 50 times and they still don't really know the scripture they know everything that has been said in the scripture they they know it you know they have uh, a great memory of all the Bible verses you can ask them tell me this Bible verse and they can tell you but they actually don't have a revelation of God with that scripture and it's, yeah. it's quite sad because they can quote scriptures at you left, right and center, but they don't actually um, have a God aspect to it, which can change people's life, that can change their life. And all they have done is um, just read it like a textbook. Yeah. And, uh, and, and that's, that's a very dangerous thing to do is read it like any other book you might be reading, a storybook or um, your schoolwork or whatever you're doing. If you just read like any other book, it will not make sense. 
in a way you might have a, a great deal of knowledge but you wouldn't have any aspect of God in it and yeah. it's great to know the scripture but it's better to get a revelation from God and God can actually speak to you out of the scripture yeah so if we take that and we look at uh, the Apostle Paul so when uh, before he uh, met with Jesus he was Saul of Tarsus and he would have been described as one of if not the greatest scholar up and coming in his day and so when you list off his resume he was the one where people were looking to him he is the guy if we want to know what's going on we talk to him as far as the Jewish scripture is concerned now I'm not wanting to paint uh, all of the Jewish people with the brush that I'm about to describe with the Apostle Paul um, I, I'm certainly not wanting to do that but he he was delving into what we would call the Old Testament the Hebrew scriptures he was studying them he understood them probably better than anyone else that was up and coming in the Jewish community at that time but he missed the most basic fundamental things of scripture like when God describes what you know in the book of Jonah where God is described as a loving compassionate merciful God um, he didn't have any of that characteristic in his life at all and he was going around breathing murderous threats he had letters with him that gave him permission to go and kill Christians and he was just going around with a heart full of hate against anyone that disagreed with his opinion of who God was and what the scriptures meant mm. and so when he met Jesus and he, and he saw the truth of what was going on he then, uh, in a, apart from the fact that he went out and he witnessed and he shared and he met with a couple of people, but he then went back and he studied the scriptures again through the lens of Jesus. If Jesus is the Messiah, if Jesus is the Christ, then what was I missing when I read this all those times before? And so he went and spent 13 years studying the scripture and came out, and we would describe him probably as the greatest theologian, giving us most of our theological doctrines of the Christian faith come from the Apostle Paul. But more than that, he was now, instead of being someone who was willing to kill anyone who disagreed with his opinion about God, he was willing to die for anyone who disagreed with his opinions about God. Mm. From, from murderous threats and hate to a heart full of love to the point where he was willing to put his life on the line for them so that they could meet God. And that change was not a change that came about from reading the Bible better. But it came about because his spiritual eyes were opened. That's right. And that's huge. And for Apostle Paul, that, that was a huge turnaround. And, and it's, it's amazing the same scriptures. He, it's the same scriptures yeah, that he read before scriptures. and after, but with a different lens. Mm. I think that's very important. Like, what lens do you read your Bible through? And what, what is the reason you actually open your Bible? What, what are you looking for? And like we touched earlier, if you're looking for just God give me some, something for someone else... You're missing the point. Yeah. And this is what exactly, you know, what Paul had to do, like what was the lens he was looking through and it had to change. And so I don't know that for me, you know, it's, it's a challenge for me. It's like every now and then I have to, you know, realize, okay, why am I just reading my Bible? Like we mentioned, we have grown up Christians. We have grown up in a Christian household. We were, you know, meant to read and understand the Bible. You yeah. know, we were taught that. We, we had a lens on as, as kids that this is the way we should do things. This is the Bible. We need to learn um, things in it. And we kind of like where Apostle Paul's when we're younger. I don't know about you, Pastor John. But yeah. I feel like 
I, I can see myself there that it was just a thing that I've learned and, and I've believed and I hold it on to until I had an amazing encounter with God which actually changed all of that around like just like Apostle Paul did and I start looking things as just not the rules that I had to follow but this is actually God's word, the commands that I need to obey in order to you know be more like Christ Yeah, as we touched on earlier. So it's it's something that I have experienced in my life just like Apostle Paul has that we can be in that situation where even now if we are not careful and we forget why we do things, especially um, as a pastor, you 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 have to prepare a sermon on Sundays. You are you have all these different programs going around, so you're always finding stuff for people, um, and you're always you know preparing stuff for people that you can go out and say to people. Yeah, and you can be in the danger of that's just it. That's what you're doing in, in your daily life is just you finding stuff um, for people instead of finding things for yourself or God. Yeah, so Jeremiah 9, I've got a few scriptures that I'm, I'm probably going to skip over now, uh, but to make a similar point, um, Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23 and 24 says, This is what the Lord says, Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom, nor the strong man in his strength, nor the wealthy in their riches, but let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who exercises loving devotion, justice and righteousness on the earth, for I delight in these things, declares the Lord. So there's this, and, and this is echoed uh, lots of times in the Old Testament, but also into the New Testament, that the goal is to know Him. That's right. To understand and know God. And so if I'm going to read the Scripture, this might not answer all of the questions correctly, but if I'm going to read the Scripture for any reason other than to find God, I'm going to miss it. And so, yes, it's important to study properly, to read it correctly, to, to do all of the correct techniques and skills and, and all of that, especially if we're going to teach others. Mm. But even more, if we're going to teach others, we need to learn to find God in the scriptures. And so that's, that's been my uh, main statement that I make to people when I'm encouraging them to read scripture is to start by saying, God, meet me here in the pages. For a little while, it was, God, open this up, help me understand, help me see it. But it became a prayer, God, please meet me in these pages. And then the thing that jumps out at you off the page while you're reading it, it might it might be odd, it might be strange, it might be just a question, I don't understand that. Whatever it is that jumps out off the page, just soak in it. Don't rush past it. Just meditate in those things. Let those words soak around you until they have more meaning for you. And ask God in the middle of it, God, what are you trying to show me? Mm. And that's right. That's how I have actually gotten, you know, so many great revelations of God. It's just by soaking, you know. And also, you know, you can go, you have this great tool in your life, which is called Google. Um, <laughs> I believe that's a very practical way of to go deeper into scriptures. Where yeah. if a scripture doesn't make sense to you, you can go into Google and find a commentary, which helps you understand. Or like a Bible dictionary that helps you describe that word better that you're not able to understand. You know, yeah. there's a spiritual side, but there's also a practical start side when, you know, like I said, I, I do struggle with some of the bigger words that I don't know in the Bible. And Bible dictionary has been great for me to just go into it and understand okay, what does the, the Bible mean by that word? And it gets you a bigger perspective on things. And it's just some great tools that you can use. and. And there's also, you know, 
for me getting a revelation from the Bible and just soaking into it, it's amazing as well. There's also the spiritual side. Hey, God, you help me understand this word. Yeah. And you, you would realize, man, I did not need Google for that. I just got it from God. Yeah. And there's the other beauty of it is you can go practical. You can also go spiritual where you can ask God, help me explain this word. Yeah. And that's, you, you just got to choose one. And, some, and, you know, going to God is better and understanding from Him is better. But sometimes God, you feel like God is not speaking, but you have great tools at your disposal where you can go out and find things. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think we could talk about this for a long time, but we've probably bit on, bitten off uh, as much as we can chew there. So um, thanks for listening to Asking Better Questions with John and Shane. We'll be here again next week discussing another question, and we hope you can join us again then. See you next time.